The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Avengers Initiative, Loki. Welcome to the Avengers Initiative, Loki, brought to you by the Time Variance Authority, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series. PoppyChulo Radio celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Thursday, June 10th, 2021, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on Disney Plus's Loki. Please welcome my co-host, Priscilla Rocha. Hey, everybody. Professor X? What if I was a robot and didn't know it? We'll never know. And Vinnie Hatcher? If you were a robot and didn't know it, then I would use a machine that would completely destroy you. Hi, everybody. I like it. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 1, Episode 1, which was titled Glorious Purpose and debuted June 9th, 2021 via Disney+. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. After stealing the Tesseract in Avengers Endgame, Loki lands before the Time Variance Authority. Short, sweet, simple, to the point. Okay, let's talk about this. So let's actually talk about the the beginning, uh, because we flash back to Avengers Endgame, and we see the moment that uh, sort of jumpstarts this series. We see Loki stealing the Tesseract. He uh, disappears, uh, and it goes way in the past, and uh, ends up getting captured by the Time Variance Authority in, in the Gobi Desert in Mongolia. So, we see him go through the Time Variance Authority. Uh, it's this uh, time bureaucracy that uh, tries to protect the sacred timeline. So, the big question is, before we even get into everything, what do we think of Loki as a character? What do we think of him? I know that Loki, much like Bucky in, over on uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, there are a lot of Loki obsessives, just like there are a lot of Bucky obsessives. There are a lot of people out there, just go on the social medias, and they will tell you that Bucky can do no wrong, and they will tell you that Loki can do no wrong. So let's talk about Loki. Do we like Loki? Vinny, you're new to our, our little group. What do you think of Loki? I absolutely adore him. You can definitely classify me as a Loki. I wouldn't say obsessed, but I think that one of the reasons that I like Loki so much is that Loki does not hide who he is. Even though he had trouble coming to terms with why he does what he does, we'll talk about that later, he's never been ashamed of who he is. And I often find Loki to kind of be the icebreaker in a lot of the Avengers interactions. I don't think I would have enjoyed the Avengers movies that he was in as much as I did and the Thor movies as much as I did without him because he adds such a flair and just a vein of humor with an undertone and undercurrent of obvious hurt and obvious seriousness. I think he's a fascinating character, and I was really excited that he's getting the series to get some more depth added to him. 
All right. Professor, what about you? Where do you stand in regards to Loki? Oh, big Loki fan. Um, you know, even from Norse mythology, uh, Loki's an often overlooked, you know, uh, more of the trickster than the evil, even though, you know, he does do some things that are technically classed as evil. Um, but a lot of that just comes down to Tom Hiddleston's portrayal of him. I think, on uh, you know, a, a less charming, a, a less um, effective actor, you know, we wouldn't have had the, the Loki love that we got. I mean, he was, you know, uh, could easily have been written out after Thor. But, you know, the realization that, oh, we've got something here. Let's keep going with that. Um, and, you know, the fact that he has had the character development that he had through the various Marvel movies, uh, you know, up to his hero turn uh, towards the end of Ragnarok and uh, and the beginning of uh, Infinity War, um, you know, shows that he is a character who has depth and a chance to grow. Now, by effectively rebooting him back to, you know, 2012, you know, we don't get that growth, but, you know, we know that potential is there. And I think that that flavors the way we view his character. That's a really good point, Professor. We will be talking about uh, going back and, and, and um, this series focusing on 2012 Loki in a little bit. So, Priscilla, I want to get your take on Loki as well. What are your thoughts on the character? Uh, are you a, a Tom Hiddleston stan? Are you a part of the Loki beehive like apparently Vinny and uh, the Professor are? Oh, my God. I'm the exact opposite of both of you guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm it's not a right. Tom Hiddleston fan so <gasps> every time I see Loki I think of like Wormtongue from Lord of the Rings and how like sneaky and like vile that man is and how just like repulsive he is and just I don't know he just gets on my nerves so every time I see Loki I'm like you sir are up to no good you are not the god of mischief you are the god of lies I do not believe you for like one single instance you are up to no good so I don't know like every time I see him I just picture bad stuff coming from this guy and I know that they're going to do a <laughs> heel turn and, and put him to do good because that's what they did in Ragnarok that's what they did in the movies but up to this point what we have is a guy who's just completely vile who's like just a monster i love i love that that's your opinion priscilla because it's just going to be interesting to hear i'm i'm so here for all of that uh yeah yeah I, i love it Love it, love it, love it. Uh, I will say I'm probably in the middle. Like, I do enjoy Tom Hiddleston's performance as Loki. Um, Secret Revealed. I had not seen Thor The Dark World ever until I I watched it to prepare myself for this series. And uh, there were a couple... Wait, what you said, Priscilla? You can totally skip that movie. There's I know. To, there's, there's not much to grant. I do. I agree. But Tom Hiddleston's performance was actually really good in it. Um, and it actually helped with the scene later on. So I, was, I understood the context of it. Um, so, so, so what I'm saying is uh, I do enjoy his performance. The character is interesting. I do like that uh, they um, were able to write him in a believable way in his whole um his um you know his arc from i don't know if i would call him villain 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 but he was certainly villainous and an antagonist but i don't know if he was like i wouldn't call him like a big bad type of villain but he went from sort of villainy to uh, anti-hero 
deepness, I guess, uh, over the course of his arc, which I, I did enjoy, and, I, and it was believable, it was well-written, and it was well-acted. I, I enjoyed um, Hiddleston's performance, uh, period. So, this episode was uh, very exposition-y. We got a lot of rules in this episode, and we understood sort of like the gravity of the situation. Some of it was done in a fun way. We got to see the animated Miss Minutes explain what the TVA is, what they do, uh, why it exists, what has happened in the past, and what it, it, is, it is protecting. It's protecting the timeline, because um, if uh, the multiverse uh, explodes, it will cause, dare I say, madness. Hey, Doctor Strange and uh, Wanda, <laughs> what y'all doing? Um, <laughs> Miss Minutes was portrayed, or I should say voiced, by an animation icon, Tara Strong. If you've watched any animation within the past, I would say, 20-ish years, you've certainly heard her voice, even though maybe you didn't know it was her. So it was, it was kind of awesome that she was cast as Miss Minutes. I did read that we will be seeing a lot more of Miss Minutes in the future, so stay tuned. Professor, talk to me about uh, the rules that we were given and what you think of Miss Minutes and what you think of all of the information that we got in those first, what was it, like maybe about 10 minutes before we actually saw the Loki title card? Well, the uh, the use of the uh, the sort of, you know, period, uh, you know, um, cartoon style was was brilliant because it really sets up what we're going to experience, which is the TVA being this strange amalgam of, of you know, high tech and low tech and, you know, feeling very bureaucratic in that way because bureaucracies are very slow to change, you know, their things. And from you know the point of view of bureaucracy like TVA, hey, we've got this animation that explains everything why would we bother updating it uh i love the fact they cast tara strong uh, certified national treasure uh she does a great job with the voice i think it was you know as i said it was a very effective way of doing it it, it gave us the story uh and i think it also you know brought out some uh, some themes um i don't want to spoil things too early in terms of where you know the big ways i think this are this are going but i think even in that funny little uh you know animated scene uh we got some real serious hints for what's going to be coming well i do actually want to talk a little bit about that because i i do have a a pointed question and Vinny, i'm going to ask you this so we got a little line that basically apologizes away everything that the avengers did in avengers endgame because you know they go back in time they go grab infinity stones we will be talking about infinity stones in a moment because that blew the internet's mind uh for for a moment but this also blew the internet's mind as well because they they really just waved off oh like the avengers they were supposed to do that so it's fine this and that or the other uh loki mentions this as he's trying to defend himself from being reset whatever that means um it, it sounded very dire but uh they the, uh, sort of um who was it that was the judge renslayer sort of uh, waves it off as if it's it was okay the question that i have for you is because after watching endgame and knowing that there is a doctor strange uh, uh film that's called uh you know the multiverse of madness clearly the MCU is headed into the multiverse direction. I mean, there have been rumors of what's going to be happening in the Spider-Man film that apparently will feature, let's call it multiverse shenanigans. Um, so my question for you is, uh, 
we have this TVA, clearly something's going to happen because we are headed towards the multiverse, whether the, TV, whether the TVA wants it to happen or not. And I think we all sort of surmised that the shenanigans that the Avengers had done in Endgame was creating the multiverse, was creating these sort of branched realities. But at least as of this point, now this is, uh, you know, sort of just right after they pick him up from the Battle of New York uh, when he was, uh, you know, stealing the, the Tesseract. Um, and they did say that time works differently in the TVA. Um, but at least up to this point, it looks like the multiverse wasn't born from the things that happened in Endgame. So what are your thoughts on the madness in the multiverse that's clearly coming. Fascinating topic. I've always been kind of obsessed with lines or alternate realities, alternate times. Um, there was a show that I used to watch back in the day, if you guys remember, a show called Sliders. I absolutely loved that show. Um, but this is what it kind of, this has all been reminding me of ever since they did the time travel and they did all that in Endgame was, was that show. Because one of the things that you can find out is, in a way, they could have, I think, created, and they did, they created alternate branching timelines. Uh, I believe it would be arrogant of them and not not out of the ordinary for an Avenger to think this way, that they caused it to happen because what they did there's an element of arrogance to everything that the avengers do and i love them don't get me wrong uh, but i i think because they're so used to everything being done on such a large scale because they deal with such cosmic things nowadays um that you know the warning that they were given that you might create something or you might cause something i i never went into this thinking that it didn't exist beforehand i've always thought that there was clearly an alternate reality there was alternate timelines um, and that we would eventually head into that realm. What I think is interesting is how heavily this was dropped and w that we are being presented with the, the Department of Motor Vehicles of time travel, basically, <laughs> the, the, the TVA. Um, so early on before these movies releases leads me to believe that we are going to see the downfall of this authority because every empire is born to crumble. And I feel like in this episode, you definitely get a lot of looks behind the curtain that there are kinks in what's going on. The gears are starting to stick. People are questioning maybe why they're doing things the way they are. They're not happy. Um, I got that inkling from a couple of the characters that this bureaucracy has definitely not changed in many, many, many generations. And as we all know, if you don't change, you stagnate while the world changes around you. And I think the 70s aesthetic and all of the the bureaucracy that we saw i think it is almost like a glaring arrow pointing us in the direction of this is about to fall apart and we're about to see all holy multiversal hell break loose and i think it's going to be fascinating um so i think that they didn't create it i think the avengers definitely caused a massive blip uh, and what they did was they ended up with everything that they did in these various timelines. They created a multitude of additional timelines that maybe did not exist before. Case in point, Loki. The moment he teleported with that Tesseract and he went away from what he was supposed to do, he's now hit on his own timeline. And as we know in time travel, it's a ripple effect. So they did have a very big impact. And I think it was kind of crappy for Loki that they just got waved away as they were supposed to do that because... I don't know. I thought that was like brushing it under the rug because they're the Avengers and they're the good guys. It's okay. They maybe mess with the universe. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm fascinated to see where it's going. And I think it's definitely been around much longer than they thought. A lot of very interesting points. Priscilla, I want to get your thoughts on uh, the multiverse of madness. Uh, are we headed to madness in the multiverse? Is the multiverse going to be born? Is it already born and, and the TVA just don't know it? Your take on everything multiverse. 
Okay, so I have a theory, but it's one of my, one of those crackpot theories that was born from watching the entire episode. So I'm not sure whether I want to give it now or want to give it at the end of oh. our chat. But okay, maybe we'll we'll stick a pin in it. Okay. I love a crackpot theory. But from what I from what I've gathered as watching it like currently and from what we can say now, I want to say that. We already have multiverses. It's from each one of the decisions that um, the Avengers or anyone makes that maybe causes a variant that um, isn't supposed to happen within what the Time Lord specifically say is the direct main timeline. But when they create those variants, they create a multiverse. And at that point in time, it's up to the TVA to go back and say, hey, no, we need to cut this, um, to cut this string before it, before it makes knots in our whole, like, nice little, nice little sewing kit that we've made for our world and it's it doesn't work that way and I don't think it's going to work that way throughout the rest of the series I think that Loki is was brought in to make sure that whoever is out there that's trying to get rid of the TVA it seems like throughout this episode like and make more variants um it's it, it it's confusing what that person is trying to do, but they're obviously against the TVA and that's what the TVA is there for. And I think Loki is either going to be one of those people that decides at the very end, Hey, I'm going to stick with the TVA and I'm going to keep this multiverse deal thing off which I don't think is going to happen because we have the multiverse of madness coming up mm-hmm. so I think he's going to double cross them at the end Okay, which, that's, what, that's what he does which fits in with your description and your opinions on him yes professor I do want to bring you in to this uh, because I want to get your take on just the multiverse uh, and the concept of the multiverse you know we, we are introduced to this you know bureaucratic organization this sort of mysterious shady organization that we've never heard before and we learn in this episode i mean if if you don't need to know then you don't need to know about us but they're there to protect the sacred timeline clearly and you know we know more information than we probably should because we know of the themes of upcoming films and that sort of thing and we already sort of had the the theory and the idea that the avengers you know whatever they did in Endgame was sort of maybe creating all these branched realities. But as of this point, the TVA does not believe that there is a multiverse, you know, that they believe they are thwarting the multiverse from being created. We also learned in this episode that there was a multiverse at a certain point, but that the TVA fixed things. So that's, that's what, you know, created and, and continued the sacred timeline, but clearly this is going to be disrupted, right? Um, yeah, um, you know, just before I get into the analysis of it, just crazy thought off the top of my head. Uh, they did say time runs differently in the TVA. How do we know that that war between the multiverses didn't happen in what would be subjectively our future? Ooh. Um, but uh, no, okay, look, 
the TVA is the big bet. It's obvious. You know, we talked about in uh, in WandaVision, the, the overwhelming theme uh, was grief. In uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the overwhelming theme was legacy and dealing with legacy. And both of those shows were wrapping up, uh, you know, consequences of Endgame. Loki is something very different. Loki is taking place conceptually before Endgame. So, you know, we're not dealing with any of those consequences or anything like that. This is about setting things in motion. Uh, so, as I say, the TVA is the big bad. That was clear from the very first scene. What do they do? They show up and they set up a device that kills everyone living in that timeline with no thought to, you know, their rights to exist or anything like that. So the big debate in this series is going to be determinism versus free will. Determinism, as stated by the TVA, which says that there is a sacred timeline which must be protected. Things have to unroll the way they're supposed to unroll. And on the other hand, you have Loki, a god of mischief, a chaos agent, who's obviously going to be you know, in favor of free will and will therefore, I'm sure by the end of it, as, uh, as Brittany was alluding to, I'm sure that he will turn on them. And, uh, you know, not to, you know, there's a you know, big reveal coming up that we don't want to talk about, but I'm sure that uh, possibly by the end of the series, Loki will set in place the multiverse that will make the Spider-Man movie possible, that will make the multiverse of madness possible. So I think this is going to be really important for the upcoming uh, Marvel stuff, whereas the previous uh, two Disney Plus shows were about dealing with the consequences of what came before. Yes, I, we're dealing with the multiverse of podcasting here because shout out to Brittany, who's not here. <laughs> we miss you. But say hello to Priscilla, Professor, who is here. Sorry, Priscilla, I slipped up. Yes, I love that moment, though. It's okay. <laughs> in, in my defense, I am a mischievous scamp. Oh, yes, you are. That is true. <laughs> All right. I'm loving all the ideas. I'm loving all the theories. Uh, Let's continue on with the story at hand. Uh, We are introduced to Agent Mobius, M. Mobius. And uh, just as Loki has been declared guilty of uh, crimes against the timeline, and he's been sentenced to be reset by Judge Renslayer, Mobius steps in and uh, basically says that uh, he could use... Loki, and uh, he could be of good use to what he's trying to do. The rest of the episode really is uh, about the relationship between Loki and uh, Mobius. Uh, There's a lot of back and forth. There's a very interesting banter between both of them. Priscilla, what do you think of uh, Loki and Mobius together? (laughs) I loved them together. Like... We had this discussion before the podcast even started, but Mobius is played by Owen Wilson, and this is, like, the first time I didn't get, like, an Owen Wilson character out of him. He was very much, I don't know, he was just a different person altogether. He was mysterious and charming, but still authoritative at the same time, and he still had this sort of almost fatherly like sort of stance with Loki where he was trying to guide him to do good and he was just trying I don't know the whole time he was like but you love the talk talky 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 I don't know just the whole thing was both comical and just caring at the same time like he he was trying to get the best out of him without trying to piss him off what which didn't work some of the time which which meant he had to use that little device 
that little rewinder that he had, which for the audience, great effect. Loved that. Especially when he had to rewind him back into a non-existent chair and he had to fall flat on his ass on the floor. That was great. Mm -hmm. And also, the other moment that was really good was when he stood up and he was like, I was just standing up for dramatic effect. (laughs) And then he let him stand (laughs) up. That was great. Spectacular. And he did it anyway. (laughs) Loki's just, I don't know, he's such a a drama queen. But yeah, I, I, I loved their their relationship together and i'm hoping to see more of that i agree their chemistry was electric it was very very good um any other thoughts on mobius m mobius and his relationship with loki from from the rest of our team before we i do mm-hmm. yes go ahead, so Danny. you know what's interesting i thought about this last night because at first i was kind of like this is interesting i feel like he's up to nefarious purposes but what priscilla just said i kind of came to agree with but what i think really works well is that this is somebody that could be a father or brother figure and guide Loki that doesn't have the weakness of loving him. And that's something that Loki's never really had. He's always been able to kind of get away with whatever he does because of his mother or his father, you know, allowing him to and scolding him. But really, at the end of the day, he knew that he was never going to have anything more than maybe an imprisonment. But the way that Owen Wilson just deceptively comes across as like your friendly neighborhood dad. And then all of a sudden, when he made that remark of like, I can wield the big boy tools when I have to. And he put put Loki in his place, you could almost see like the realization on the character of Loki that like, oh, this guy means business. And it was, I think that was a very realistic way of removing the dynamic and getting Loki out of his comfort space of, I can just do whatever the hell I want and I'm going to get a slap on the wrist and locked up for a while, but then they're going to let me out eventually when they need help with something. In this regard, they want him to do something, but if he doesn't cooperate, they're going to kill him. And I think he finally realized that in the kind of moment when the one guy that was being nice to him proved to him that if you don't play along, I'll make this hell for you. Pretty much. Yeah, very good point. So, I I referenced earlier a moment that blew the internet's mind, and and I do want to get everyone's opinion on it as well, Uh, so let me set it up. Uh, Loki ends up trying to escape, which, I mean, let's, let's be real. It it is a TV trope, but it makes sense, you know, in regards to the character. Clearly, he's going to want to escape, get out of the TVA, and, uh, wreak havoc. And so, uh, he tries to escape, he steals some TVA tech, he's got the Tesseract, and, uh, he ends up realizing in this, uh, feeble escape attempt that the TVA is incredibly powerful because they just have a whole bunch of Infinity Stones hanging around, um, and, and they use them as paperweights because they're useless there in the TVA. Um, they even have multiple of the same stones. The internet went crazy because they were like all of these adventures that died. And, uh, you know, the TVA just happens to have all these stones that they could have used. Is, um, is it was, I thought it was brilliant and hilarious, but it kind of blew people's minds. I, I know, Professor, you uh, sort of laugh at the internet when they uh, get their mind blown. But what did you think of the moment with the Infinity Stones? Because uh, this moment was, in reality, when Loki really realized that there's nothing he can do to escape, pretty much. 
Well, I don't mind when the internet uh, gets its mind blown because my mind was blown by that scene as well. I thought it was a very effective show-don't-tell uh, way of establishing the power of the TVA. Uh, what bugs me is when the internet gets its, you know, being a bonnet about, you know, we saw this, therefore Al Pacino is going to be Mephisto, and I'm absolutely sure of it. Well, no, no, stop that. Um, you know, and, and even, you know, in the scene where in the church where they saw, you know, the uh, the devil figure, oh, it must be Mephisto. No, no, just calm down, people. Uh, but I love that. It was, you know, very effectively done. Just the idea that, you know, this this lower level flunky, um, the, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, you know, the Casey character uh, played uh, by Eugene Cordero, uh, you know, the, the the low level male delivering guy. He has all these infinity stones just in there. And also, I mean, if you look closely, you know, there's also a, a French croix de guerre. There's a crucifix. There's what looked like a Roman sword. There's an old box of recording tape. So it's just, you know, the sort of junk that you or I would have in a junk drawer, assuming you have a Roman sword and a Honus Wagner. Uh, rookie card uh, in your junk drawer. Uh, but I thought it was just a very effective way. And and again, I think Tom Hiddleston played it very well. His his dawning realization of him thinking I was a god because he was comparing himself to the humans and, and, you know, other people. And now he's suddenly realizing there is this much greater power out there that dwarfs even the Infinity Stones. Uh, I think it was a great way to reveal it. And uh, and I think Tom Hiddleston did a great job of playing his dawning realization of just, oh, my God. You know, the sort of not in Kansas anymore uh, in the same way that, you know, any normal person would react when they were in the presence of the Avengers. You know, he's suddenly realizing that this is way beyond his uh, his comprehension and, you know, possibly beyond his ability to control. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts on the Infinity Stone cameo? I'm going to just say, as a side note to the Infinity Stones cameo, the whole I'm going to gut you like a fish What's a fish. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of my favorite parts of the whole episode. Yes, I need to know how threatening this is. What what is it? Fantastic. <laughs> you have any? You know, I think you know one of the things that I was curious about was how were they going to since we're dealing with 2012 Loki. I was really curious how in one episode are they going to really sell the fact that obviously they're going to start getting him to be willing to help them because the Loki from back then that we all knew. He was not interested in helping anyone. And I didn't think that they were going to get that character to a point in one episode, let alone halfway through that episode, where he was actually receptive and really willing to listen. I think Mm -hmm. this was a huge turning point, not only for the internet, but I think just for setting the foundation to prove just how, how tiny these characters that we've known for so long really are in the grand scheme of things and seeing him realize that. And we're realizing it along with him because the past like 10, whatever years has been all building up to the infinity stones, you know, and now it's like, Oh, so there's like thousands of them and I can't use them and they don't do anything. And it just, that moment seeing them in a drawer, there was just something so symbolically awesome about that. It really just, it, they did an amazing job with that reveal, and I thought it was really well done. I co-sign all of that. And uh, I think the other scene that really sort of cemented Loki's mindset and, and, and the change that was needed to fully get Loki on board with uh, potentially working with the TVA or for the TVA is uh, the, the Loki greatest hits that we saw. So we see, well... We and Loki see film footage of his um, past uh, shenanigans, as well as a future that he does he has not experienced that we experienced watching the MCU films. We see his uh, mother Frigga 
die, you know, which is a death that he inadvertently caused. We see Odin's death, and uh, he also sees his own death at the hands of Thanos. And, um, yeah, and, and all of that was um, accompanied by the question that Mobius sort of kept on asking Loki, you know, does he love killing and hurting people? Is that, you know, something that he enjoys doing? You know, mischief is different than completely, you know, decimating people and, and that sort of thing. So I'm going to open this up to the floor. I don't know who wants to jump in first, but let's talk about uh, Loki's greatest hits, Loki, uh, Loki viewing his greatest hits, as well as the big question that Mobius kept on asking Loki and his answer, because his answer completely changed uh, by not the end end of the episode, but, you know, close to the end of the episode. Who wants to jump in first? I Priscilla. think I think that I don't believe it's heel turn for now. Okay. But, well, that's that's true to your character, Priscilla. But I am intrigued by it. I'm mm. interested in how he kind of described his his reasoning for doing bad things as kind of like a shield a, a, as a way to show people that he is the villain of the piece to show people that he is in control and he doesn't want that he doesn't like killing but he has to mm-hmm. at least that's how I took it the how he described everything in the end and yeah if that's the case, then maybe there is a chance for redemption for Loki again. And if it, that's the case, then dang, that was quick. That was one episode. Jesus, how <laughs> how how do we get that from from this uh, from this guy? I, I know, mean, right? It took Regina a... seven seasons on Once Upon a Time to get redemption. <laughs> I have a theory. All right, and bring it on. Loki is Loki. Right. I think with Loki, we always get a little infinitesimal kernel of truth and a metric ton of bullcrap. So Loki is the god of mischief. Loki is able to really be charming, witty. He can convince people that he is something that he's not. So I think that, Priscilla, I agree with you. I think that there's definitely, like, if this is really happening, it's awesome. And there's definitely potential because we saw that happen with the original Loki. I don't think he's there yet, though. I bought it but I bought it because it's Loki being Loki. I think at this moment he does realize that like I'm basically emasculated in every possible way right now because of this collar. And even when the collar comes off, they still have me you know, by their proverbials and I can't do anything. So I'm going to do what I do best and I'm going to play along and make them think that I'm on their side. I'm going to drop just enough truth to be convincing that I'm changing, that I'm doing this. I think really he's still stamping his foot on the inside. And he's reticent, but he knows this is the only way that he has a chance of getting out of there. And he's so desperate because Loki's a cockroach. He will do whatever it takes to survive. And I think that's exactly what he is doing right now. But what I think also is he doesn't actually realize that by doing that, he is setting himself on a very similar road to his original counterpart going. And he's going to be very stubborn every step of the way. But I don't fully believe right now. I think he's just playing a part to, whether it's out of curiosity or to save his own hide. 
Okay, that's interesting. Because I would have thought that Priscilla would have had that opinion, but Priscilla had the opposite opinion. Uh, so, Professor, I want to bring you in to this. Uh, whose side are you on? Are you more on Priscilla's side or Vinny's? Well, one thing that I thought was one thing I thought was really interesting about what Loki said about himself when he was describing, you know, why he did what he did, is that he's mirroring what he said about TVA earlier in the episode when he said, it's just an illusion. You're just trying to cow people and everything like that. Uh, and then his realization that no, they are the real thing. Um, you know, he had the realization that he was, he was doing that, that he was presenting this image to keep people from looking too closely to understand what was really going on within him. Um, so it did feel to me, I think, you know, part of it was, you know, seeing the death of his mother and knowing that he caused the death of his mother. Uh, you know, it was established uh, in uh, in the dark world, uh, you know, that he did have that close, uh, you know, relationship with his mother. He was, you know, very much his mother's son, just as uh, Thor was Odin's son. Uh, so I think that, you know, had that real shock to him. And I'm, I'm a little surprised we didn't get the sort of, you know, Loki, you know, the little twinkle or something like that that would indicate that he is planning to try to use the TVA to maybe subvert the death of his mother or something like that. Um, I was a little surprised we didn't get that. Uh, but, you know, we, we might see uh, some indication of that going forward. Uh, so uh, from my point of view, uh, you know, I would appreciate if people would stop saying that, uh, you know, Loki's going to have a heel turn. Loki's already the villain. Loki's going to have a face turn because he's going to become the hero because the TVA is the bad guy. Well, yes, this will be a theme from the professor, which I'm, I'm here for. I like it. Uh, when we see Loki's greatest hits, we also see a, uh, a new clip from a moment where uh, Loki loses a bet with Thor, and he ends up hijacking a Boeing 727 in uh, 1971. And uh, he, he gets a substantial ransom, he asks for parachutes, jumps out the plane. This is uh, apparently the story of D.B. Cooper. I'll be honest, I had never heard this story before, so I had to Google it. But I thought it was, it was hella interesting that they ended up using it, because apparently they never found this man. Um, so, you know, why not? Why, why not? It was Loki all this damn time. Um, oh my god, you haven't heard the story of D.B. Cooper I until before this? I had never heard the story of D.B. Cooper. My God, this is like like he's such he's like a treasure trove yeah. like maniac like everybody who's into like finding treasures or like into urban legends knows about DB Cooper. Well, I guess I know zero urban legends. I only know the spooky <laughs> ones. I choose to believe from now on that Loki was DB Cooper, and you can't prove me wrong. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was so well done like i did not expect that like i honestly because that was in the trailer and i thought that was going to be later in the season i thought it was going to be him jumping through time and it was just going to be him i when i realized he was db cooper i literally like shut up in my chair i'm like oh my god yes someone finally explained what happened yes yeah. So my mind wasn't as blown as y'all, because i had no idea what the hell this was but when i read it, i was like that's brilliant i, I love how they did that, you know, including uh, sort of, I guess, you know, Americana folklore and urban legends and explaining it away with Loki, which was fantastic. Okay, so we kind of briefly touched on the TVA, you know, and its authority, as well as uh, we touched 
sort of lightly on the look of the TVA, but I want to explore that a little bit more right now. What did we think of the sets, the costuming, uh, you know, how the series visually represents the TVA? Vinny? I literally could only think of working 9 to f- or nine to 5, the movie, because I kept getting vibes of The Office that Dolly Parton, Lily Tomlin, they all worked in. Um, which just goes to show, I mean, that was a bureaucratic nightmare. That was purgatory. And that's purgatory and limbo is kind of the feeling that I got from this place. You know, it, it's that generic lobby feel of every big business building that you've walked into that is like government run or bureaucratically run. I think that what was interesting, though, is within the dull neutral colors, because we had a lot of like blood reds or rust reds and browns and tans and pea yellow and creams and you know it's very meant to be very 70s very 60s but i caught on to a lot of very subtle nuances within this where people not not really people but i felt like there was a little element of like you could sense a little bit of rebellion underneath there was shininess on some of those desks that we saw there was a little bit of individualism showing in some of the characters that are members of the TVA so i do feel that the the costumes and the uniforms they you could definitely tell there are individual personalities under there so the bureaucracy is not as effective as suppressing individuality as it might think that it is i think it's trying desperately but i do agree with the professor that it's it is the villain and i think that especially in the form of it was it's clearly hell for loki bureaucracy paperwork getting a ticket and standing in line i think every cliche about the dmv or waiting in line somewhere or you know having to go sign a bunch of papers was presented and they're cliches for a reason they're grounded in reality and we all hate them i don't know anybody that enjoys doing that stuff really um I think they tied that all well, that the aesthetics of the environment really helped supplement that. And there was just this sense of like hopelessness everywhere they were within the TVA. I just felt like these colors are draining the life out of me. These people are obviously either angry because they're trying to get variants or they're bored and mind numb doing bureaucracy. But then we got that look out the window. And we got that look out the window, and it was like this panorama that looked like something out of Mass Effect, you know, a video game where it was like, okay, this place is obviously a just an office environment but there is so much more under the surface and that little brief period that we got with loki looking out and seeing the breadth and the width of what he was now involved in it was really interesting because it was on such a scale that it makes me wonder how many different departments there really are and it really kind of sets us up with this curiosity at least for me of wanting to see what happens when the veneer is stripped away and the bureaucracy starts to lose control and these people start to not have guidance so i'm really curious to see where loki's chaos comes into this and i know we were talking about the environment but these are just all the feelings that the environment evoked in me so i think it was really really well set up the way that they chose to do it I agree with you on that. I love that you gave us a 9 to 5 reference. Uh, For me, I I sort of thought of something more uh, recent. I don't know if Priscilla got the same vibe, but it reminded me a little bit of Legion, the FX uh, Marvel series, in a very good way. Like, Legion was a little bit, like, anachronistic in its style. You know, it was, was, you know, it was old school, but it was new school. It was a little futuristic. It was also, like, very retro. It was, it was... Awesome. Uh, Priscilla, you got the same vibes, Legion? Uh-huh. Completely. I, I saw that and I was like, okay, this is very Mad Men pastiche. There's a little bit of Legion thrown in there to add some futuristicness to it. And 
some sci-fi twisty elements to it to some superpower glowiness to some of the like tesseracts being used as paperweights and stuff like that around there and some of the glowy arsenals that they use as weapons and things like that like just knickknacks here and there but that's exactly what I got I got Mad Men and I got um, Legion yeah, yeah, I co-sign with that. Professor, I want to ask you this, because you brought up the the concept of free will versus determ- determinism. Do you think we're going to meet the timekeepers? We're introduced to the concept of the sacred timeline being controlled by, being monitored, being, I, I guess, created by these three timekeepers. Do you think we will actually meet them this season? <laughs> Uh, I don't think so, but I'm going to blow your mind here for a second, because think about it. So we have this concept of a sacred timeline. You can't have things diverging from the sacred timeline. Everything has to go according to the plan that, you know, these these three, uh, you know, timekeepers have in mind. Kevin Feige, Vittorio Alonso, Luis Desposito. <laughs> oh, God. I can't say whether or not they're lizards. I've never actually met them, but I'm just saying that's an interesting coincidence, isn't it? Uh, no, I, I don't know. I think we might by the end, uh, if, if the series, you know, uh, comes to where uh, where I expect it will, which is, you know, Loki leading an all out assault on the TVA, then we might get to meet them uh, in some way, uh, you know, and, uh, and, you know, it's an open question. I mean, do they actually exist or does the bureaucracy exist to support itself, which is, you know, which might be interesting uh, as well. So I don't know whether we will meet them. I, I almost hope we don't. I, I like them more as sort of, you know, shadowy figures uh, outside uh, the thing, just, you know, controlling things, pulling the strings. You know, the TVA is basically their executive producers, their showrunners, their writers, but they're the ones always in control, making sure that you can do this, you can't do that. Um, so, uh, you know, as, as, as a bit of metatextual analysis, I think it's, uh, it, it's uh, kind of a fun way to think about it. A lot of people were looking at the pictures of the three space lizards that are taking that are basically controlling the TVA and one of them said that one of them looks like Kang the Conqueror so maybe to tie in how the new next big bad that's going to come in for um what's it called Mm Ant-Man Ant-Man 3 yeah Shout out to Jonathan Majors. Yes. Speaking of Jonathan Majors, his co-star from Lovecraft Country, Wunmi Musako, is in the, this series as Hunter B. They didn't say her name, so I don't know if it's B-15 or B-15. I don't know how they're going to call her, but it's B-15 is what I'll call her. Um, Priscilla, we fell in love with Wunmi Musaku on Lovecraft Country. What'd you think of her? She didn't really get much to do, uh, but but we saw her sprinkled throughout the episode. Oh my god, we saw her sprinkled throughout the episode as a, a person with authority, as a person who challenged um, Mobius, as a person who, even though he said not to kill him, still went out for a killing blow, who almost killed Casey. <laughs> I know, right? Jesus Christ! And as, as I thought, it was funny as hell when she when he tied the the collar and used it against her with the with the rewind method, like 
a ton of times over and over and over again just because he could. <laughs> oh, God, it's so funny. I, I I don't know. I'm looking forward to seeing more of her. I'm looking forward to seeing her interactions with um, Loki, considering she trusts him just about as much as I do, which is not at all. <laughs> and I know they're going to have to work together. So... I'm looking forward to that. Ain't that the truth? Uh, any other thoughts on Hunter B15 from the rest of our team? I don't know if anyone else uh, is a fan of Bunmi Mosaku. Oh, I loved her as Ruby on Lovecraft Country. She was absolutely one of my favorite characters. And I'm going to be very honest until you guys just said that I did not make that connection. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, yeah, it's a completely she was different so good character. As Hunter B15 last night. Like, I didn't even recognize her mannerisms wise or anything. But, like, no, I, I, I agree. I think it's going to be very fascinating to see that dynamic continue between her and Loki because I think she's going to be hot on his trail no matter what. Yeah, she did a really great job with uh, the American accent. She's a Brit, and the accent mm-hmm. that she used on Lovecraft was very 1950s sort of American. And, and yeah. this one that she used here was sort of like just generic American. And um, yeah, you would think that there isn't that much of a different in, in the ac- difference in the accent, but there really was. Like She sounded completely different than she did on Lovecraft Country, mm-hmm. which was uh, fantastic. So, uh, sprinkled throughout the episode, speaking of sprinkling, is the concept that there is this rogue variant out there screwing up the timeline. They are killing agents, they are stealing the... um, I know that they gave the name for it in in the episode, but I I don't remember it right now. But it's the reset contraption that resets the timeline. So they're oh, swiping the reset charge. The reset charge. There you go. So they're stealing the reset charge, and they're murdering TVA agents as well. By the end of the episode, once Loki has agreed to work with Mobius, uh, to be quite honest, I think the actual reason Loki agrees to work with Mobius is because uh, Mobius says that it's a rogue variant of Loki. So uh, we saw it, uh, this, uh, this um, well, we saw the, the uh, ramifications of uh, this rogue Loki in France. Um, There was that moment that the professor referenced where like a child pointed to a mosaic of uh, the devil. And, uh, you know, there was the sort of the joke of Mephisto and that sort of thing that the Internet uh, said. They were like, oh, shit, here we go again. But the thing is, when I saw it, I didn't think of Mephisto. I immediately looked at the horns and I was like, it's a Loki. And that's what uh, Mobius says by the end of the episode. We also see in 1858 this rogue Loki ambushing a bunch of TVA agents, killing these TVA Minutemen, and once again swiping the reset charge. So, clearly we have met... um, I don't know if we want to call it the big bad, if we're calling the TVA the big bad, but we've clearly met a a baddie that we will have to deal with throughout this season. What do we think of the mystery? Uh, Did either of you also put two and two together that it was going to be a low-key based off of uh, the the mosaic? Was Was it me, or did you all sort of guess that based off of maybe other information that's been out there about the series? Uh, Priscilla? 
I guess it off of the information that had been out there about the series since people were like really going into the fact that like Loki's gender fluid and I'm like okay does that mean that we're gonna get to see female Loki does it mean that we're gonna get to see elder Loki and they they had mentioned that they were casting rumors that that they had hired a girl and that they had hired someone to play elder Loki too so I was like oh okay that means we're gonna get to see variants that means that this is gonna be important that we're gonna see more of him in different forms that means he's going to go up against these people because that's the only that's the only reason why you would want to see a loki versus a loki fight that, that it's just interesting yeah I, I mean i like that concept as well professor what about you your thoughts on uh, this concept of a rogue variant loki out there uh trying to for lack of a better word fuck with the tva in a way that uh, they've never experienced well, first off, you know, shout out to that uh, 16th century French peasant girl who is exposed to not only, you know, uh, a modern phone, but one that can, you know, create a animated moving figure <laughs> and doesn't run screaming from the church. So kudos to her. Um, you know, watching it, the uh, the reveal of uh, that Loki, you know, was the one attacking them, uh, you know, took me by surprise. But on second watching, it makes sense because, you know, the uh, the uh, the team in the church was taken out by someone you know, they were stabbed. And what is Loki's favorite way of killing someone? With a knife. Um, the, uh, the the little girl was given the gum. And what is that gum? It's the sort of gum that you would get from, you know, the back pages of a comic book, you know, 20 or 30 or 40 years ago uh, that, you know, the person wouldn't realize was going to stain their teeth a, a color. So it was a very Loki thing to do. Give someone a gift that would, you know, be a prank, you know, very, uh, you know, in line with the god of mischief. Uh, I love the idea that uh, that uh, a variant Loki is the one attacking the TVA. I am 90% certain that this is our Loki, that the whole point of this series is going to be getting Loki to the point where he is the one launching the attack uh, on the TVA. And I'm like 70% thinking that Mobius knows that. Okay. Is that a Professor X crackpot theory? That's crackpot theory as opposed to prediction. Uh, it's up there with, you know, uh, Kevin Feige as a lizard. Uh, but okay. I just, uh, you know, I think it's going to be one of those things where, you know, when you look back at that episode uh, where, um, you know, Loki's saying, I want to burn the whole thing down. And Mobius says, you can start with my office. Um, and, uh, you know, bringing him on board uh, for this. Uh, now, maybe not everyone, uh, you know, outside of Mobius knows that, you know, a Loki variant is the one attacking them. Although it would seem that some people know that because, you know, when Loki was uh, was arrested, um, you know, uh, Mobius was alerted to that. So, uh, yeah, it's I, I think it's it's it, it, it's either going to be our Loki or it's going to be, you know, uh, another variant of Loki who persuades Loki that what he's doing is right. Because I do think the the arc for Loki. And as I said, it's it's because it's free will over determinism. It's the individual versus the collective. And that's what you know Loki is about for all this talk about, you know, ruling people and, and freedom, you know, isn't something that people actually want. Loki's a chaos agent, you know, and chaos agents need freedom in order to act. Um, so uh, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm reasonably certain that uh, that his face turn is going to be attacking the TVA because, you know, by the time we realize that the TVA are the bad guys, then anyone who attacks the bad guys becomes a good guy. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Vinny, I want to bring you into this conversation as well. Yeah. Uh, just to react to what uh, Priscilla and the professor have said, as well as your own thoughts on this rogue Loki out there. 
getting into shenanigans. Yeah, well, I the professor basically touched on a lot of things that I kind of think as well. Um, I do believe that there is a very high possibility of two things. I have two crackpot theories. My first one is very much in line with what you kind of just said, Professor, where I think the variant that we are going after could very well be an older version of the Loki that we're dealing with now. Kind of one of those things where you're not supposed to see yourself, but it could maybe it's going to be another one of those, man, I do have a nice ass moments later down the line where Loki, like... It's him in the future having already gone through what he's going now, because one of the things I love about time travel is the concept of a paradox. And I think it would be very interesting and very much a potential catalyst for ripping open something that causes the multiverse to go if we start dealing with the variant of Loki and maybe another, another. But I do agree there's a very high possibility of my first crack theory is that it is our Loki later down the line with more knowledge, having dealt blows and now going up against the TVA. My second crackpot theory is that it is lady loki because the very moment where the variant kind of stands up and is ready to set the fire the frame did not look very much like tom hiddleston he's rather tall and a little bit almost like a male hourglass to a degree and while they were wearing cloaks i did not get the impression of it being him they could use a double to throw us off but i do think there's a high propensity for it to be another version of him if it's not the him now that's going to happen of in some time after going through what he's about to go through uh that could be our window into the multiverse is another variant of loki that they get at the hijinks together i'm going to be curious to see what happens when they meet but um i do think the variant is definitely going to be some iteration of him that people are going to be very excited to see okay interesting. and i agree that mobius is into it i think he knows oh okay Interesting, interesting. Priscilla, I know that you read, you had referenced that you had a crackpot theory. Um, it, do you want to uh, mention it? Yes. Okay. I think that the, the TVA is slowly going to be taken down by all of the variants of Loki, oh. including Loki at the end. I think it's going to be female Loki and elder Loki and maybe even Maybe even Unicorn Loki or Pegasus Loki or whatever the hell the horse Loki was. Because I, I hear people are, like, super excited about that one. So, maybe that one. But um, I'm thinking all of those are going to come together and take down the TVA. And I'm thinking that Mobius is going to be helping with that. And I don't think that he's going to be just guiding him towards good just to think to himself at the very end that maybe multiverses aren't a good thing for the world. I don't know. I think he's going to let himself be convinced by Loki at the end. I think they're going to end up having a very like a nice partnership together and that they and they're going to convince each other to be to to throw this whole like deal with having one timeline out the window. Okay. So there's going to be a whole lot of Loki going on by the end of the series. Hella interesting. Uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this has been the only Disney Plus Marvel series that has had confirmation that there will be a second season. So, um, yeah. Right. Well, by the end of this season, we'll know exactly what the second season will be about. Because I think we all agree that the TVA will be like kaput, at least in the in its current 
iteration by the end of uh, this season. Uh, what it's going to be afterwards, stay tuned. Was there anything that I missed? Well, in terms oh, wait, of you know, yes, one of the you know one of the ways that they could set up a second season is you know build towards the end of season reveal is our Loki encountering you know uh, the alternate Loki uh, who persuades our Loki of the rightness of the mission. So the next season will be about our Loki continuing that. But I do think just structurally, you sort of have to break down the TVA a little bit in order to establish the concept that multiverses can exist, so that you can have. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, so that you can have Spider-Man uh, No Way Home. I'm not sure when they come out compared to when a season two of Loki uh, would come out. And of course, you know, this is all very timey-wimey because, you know, this could all be happening prior to when that happened. Uh, so it doesn't really matter. But I just feel like, you know, establishing, you know, maybe damaging the uh, the TVA or, you know, uh, them dealing with, uh, with runaway uh, multiverses or something like that. Uh, could be used, you know, because, you know, some people have been saying, well, why haven't we had a, uh, a trailer for, uh, for the Spider-Man movie or anything like that? Mm -hmm. uh, it could be because, you know, technically in the multiverse right now or in the MCU right now, there is no multiverse. So, you would, you know, it, it could be that, you know, uh, Loki's actions in this series will pave the way to the multiverse, which will set up the possibility of what they're, whatever they're going to do in, uh, in No Way Home. That is true. That That is true. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home debuts in theaters in December. I believe it's like towards the end of December. So I do think that they have to start showing the cracks in the multiverse through this series. Uh, because, um, you know, whether we see the actual explosion of the multiverse in this season, I don't know if we necessarily need that, but we do need the cracks. They need to start laying the foundation that a multiverse exists so that these other films sort of make sense. Uh, I think initially maybe we all thought that the multiverse was going to fully be... Um, um, sort of fully uh, be sort of discovered maybe in um, in the Doctor Strange film. But then there have been rumors of the Spider-Man film. And uh, I don't know if it necessarily makes sense for it to fully be, you know, explored in the Spider-Man film without there being something else before that really setting the stage for it. And this, I think this will be the production for that. How much we get of it, though, is that's something that I don't know. Because, Professor, you are mentioning something that's really important. This is technically, well, not technically, this is actually taking place in the past. Like, all the stuff that we've seen with the other Disney Plus Marvel series are taking place post-Endgame. This is taking place uh, before Endgame. This is taking place, well, not before, in the middle of Endgame. So, uh... Yeah, and, and I, th I think that's really important to know. Like, this is basically our past. This is the MCU past that we're seeing a sort of uh, a glimpse at a, at a lost chapter that we didn't know existed in the MCU's past. Vinny, it looked like you were about to say something. Oh, no, I'm almost curious to see if it is going to fall apart or they're going to drag that into the second season. I, I almost wonder if... There, there's a lot that can happen, but one of the things I was thinking of is maybe they haven't been successfully stopping all of these alternate timelines, and rather than creating, I think what could happen is maybe they've been kind of going, when they're resetting, they're stopping branches into the sacred timeline, but all these branches are 
infinite and they are resonating outward elsewhere but they're no longer connected and maybe by what's about to happen and what they're actually having control over is these other timelines and and choices and verses whatever you want to call it bleeding into the one they determined was the main it's almost like a purification kind of feeling like they don't want anything polluting what they think is supposed to be the prime timeline so there's definitely an element of like empowerment and superiority by the timekeepers and the tba so i don't necessarily believe that they're having multiverses before i think they've just been like trying to keep the one that they want control over going with no interruptions and i think that's they've held on to that control for so long and so tight that it's starting to fall apart and that matched with Lo- going up against loki it's going to be the cracks are going to come, but I personally, and I'll, I'm be happy to be proven wrong. I don't know if we're going to see the complete fall of them in the first season. I think we might see a little bit more and maybe something drastic, but I think it would be interesting to actually have that drawn out a little bit more because I feel like this is going to be a gateway into phase four in more ways than one. Okay. That's an interesting point. I think something that we're also overlooking is the fact that this rogue Loki is stealing those reset charges. So that means that whatever she did, or I'm saying she, whatever they did in, um, what was it, 1858, whatever they did then wasn't reset. So could this rogue Loki be creating these branches from the Sacred Timeline uh, you know, are are the TVA like completely catching all of the these moments that this rogue Loki is um, you know wreaking havoc on the timeline? Are they fully resetting them? Uh, have they missed some? Uh, maybe this rogue Loki is creating some of the branches. I think they sort of uh, they sort of dissuaded us from believing that, you know, with the scene in the church, uh, because exactly the same thing happened in the church, except with the, the dramatic fire and, and Oklahoma, because they did yeah. mention that the, uh, uh, the reset charge had been taken in that case, and they just brought another reset charge and, uh, and wiped everything out. Um, so my, my thinking is that, you know, when a team goes missing, they just send another team to do the reset. Okay. I'm sure that probably is the case, but uh, it'd be interesting if they'd end up using this rogue Loki as a, a catalyst to creating different timelines. So, was there anything that I missed? Anything that either of you would like to bring up, a teeny tiny little moment or anything, before we head into the MVP? Yes. I caught something that I was very proud of myself for catching. You guys remember when they first got to Oklahoma, right? And there's that gun shut into the ground gun or whatever it was a weapon and it was shoved into the ground and as they were walking past it one of the time variance authority um members they actually said oh it looks like it's from the third millennium or the 30th millennium i think third millennium kang the conqueror is actually from the third millennium and i believe that's a huge easter egg that he's going to be involved in some way in phase four because i actually it, it stuck in my head and when i went and googled what third millennium was it actually revealed that that's where he's from so i'm i'm really fascinated by that potential i like that yes king will be involved he has been cast uh he's supposed to show up uh what is it ant-man and the wasp yeah quantum mania yeah so i love a tease so that clearly uh good catch uh Vinny, that was clearly a tease. Anything else? All right. It's time for the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So choose wisely. Priscilla, who's your MVP and why? 
My MVP has to be Mobius. He was just played so well and so suavely. Like, he was just, I don't know, just the father figure that Loki needed at this point in time when he didn't have Odin to rely on anymore to bail him out of something or to just put him in prison anywhere. Like, now he's in the TVA. Now he's got to rely on somebody else's rules. And he needs to rely on somebody at this point and he needs to trust somebody and it would have to be him and he did a really good job at kind of like guiding him and being kind of the um the mentor to him trying to be kind of like a therapist and pull out why he is the way he is and it was elucidating and insightful and I liked that it was really good so definitely Owen Wilson for his turn as Mobius Professor? Well because uh, Vinny is new to the podcast I'm not going to choose the obvious uh, other uh, MVP Uh, instead I'm going to give it to uh, Eugene Cordero Uh, uh, you know one of those great actors who you know is just capable of stealing any scenes and he played Casey Uh, I hope we get a lot more of him I think Casey is a really fun interesting character and uh, I love the way he played it so you know even though they didn't have a lot to do I love the fact that you know he's you know he's you know complaining about the uh, you know the fact that his cart was cancelled or uh, or eradicated uh, you know later on when we see him again Um, he's he seems like a very very fun character and, and i really hope we get more of him because he's he's one of those just you know effortlessly funny characters who's who's always great whenever we see him wow the professor was selfless i'm impressed Vinny, your mvp <laughs> the funny thing was that wasn't going to be my first option i had a backup but then it became my first but i'll go with loki after all and then i'll say who my backup was um I, I will go with Loki because obviously he's the primary focus of the show. And I think the number one thing that I love the most about this is, as I said, he got a lot uh, to do in the, in the cinematic uh, universe in the movies, but I always felt that some of his character development was a little bit rushed and very conditional situational based and wasn't as altruistic as it would have been had we gotten, gotten more exposition as to his emotional driving. Um, but that happens in a movie, right? Cause it's an hour and a half, two hours, maybe, uh, so you don't get as many in-depth explorations of character development. But in this, even though all of it isn't genuine, I feel like I still think he's definitely pulling some strings in his mind and giving what they want. There is an element of truth, and it was really well played by Tom Hiddleston. And I, I think that he's uh, the MVP of the episode because from the beginning to the end, he was almost an entirely different person. He was the Loki that we knew in the movie theaters, to, or the movies to a little bit, extent with a dash of the Loki that he was at the beginning. So we definitely are seeing a character that is on an evolution, whether it's going to be for the better or for the worse. I think the development of that character and his pivotal turn at the end of this episode, whether true or not, or genuine or not, is going to be very fascinating to watch. And it's obviously the linchpin of the entire series, but there's a lot more to Loki and we're peeling back the layers. And I'm very excited to see that continue. But overall, I just honestly, I loved his reaction to all of the bureaucracy around him. It was just, you could tell how much he was suffering and how much he wants to burn this place to the ground. And I'm honestly very excited to see that happen. Yes, stay tuned. So I'm going to give the MVP to uh, Wumi Musaku, the hunter of B-15. Uh, I loved her presence 
in this episode. She was a badass. She she was just she radiated uh, authority in, in such a spectacular way. We only got a little bit of a taste of her in this episode, so I am really excited to see her paired up with Loki in upcoming episodes, as well as seeing her relationship with Mobius as well. So uh, yes, uh, yes, this is uh, Hunter B fifteen for MVP f- uh, for me. Now it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 Infinity Stones? The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it Loki's coveted Tesseract. Vinny, you may go first. I'm going to go with a 9. This was a really, really great episode. Very wonderful exposition. It was a fascinating foundation. Um... But we were given, as you said, it was very expositiony. We were given a lot to process. And obviously within an hour, you're not going to get as much as you might when you have to cram things in a movie as far as pacing. Um, not that it was bad that we got a lot of exposition, but I think that I would have loved a little bit more of each of some of the characters rather than presenting us with so many of them. Uh, um maybe a little bit more time with some of them. And hopefully we will, like you said, um, because my backup was going to be the same, the Hunter B-15. I loved her and I want to see more. We've been introduced to a very wide cast, potentially, and I'm really curious to see where it goes. So I would give it a 10, except for there were elements that I thought were rather rushed. Uh, But obviously they had to, but still, um, I think they could have done a little bit better in some areas. But overall, it's a very minor complaint. This is definitely a stellar episode. I'd even go with a 9.5. Really fascinating entry to the season. Uh, WandaVision was my favorite out of all of them they've done so far. And this has now dethroned WandaVision first episode. I'm here for it. I love it. And I cannot wait to see what happens next. All right. So wait, oh wait. Uh, what was the final answer? It's a nine point five from Vinny. I'll go with nine point five. Yeah. All right. Starting off strong with a nine point five from Vinny Hatcher, Professor. What about you? Where do you stand? How would you rate this episode? Uh, I'll agree with uh, Vinny's original uh, uh, mark of a nine. Uh, I, I thought uh, I watched it a second time and I liked it a lot better the second time that I was watching it with us because I was watching on a big screen rather than my tablet. Um, I just was into it more or because I could see the, uh, you know, the, uh, the little things that, that played out, you know, that, that have been set up earlier in the episode. So it worked better for me on a second viewing. Uh, but for me, it's, yeah, I still, uh, I still liked uh, the original episode of WandaVision uh, more as a, as, as a starting off point. But I think they've, they put a lot of interesting pieces in play. And, yeah, it was heavy on exposition, but there was so much exposition you needed because they're introducing this whole new monolith of the TVA and, you know, uh, and everything that Loki's going to have to deal with. So it's, it's understandable there was a lot of exposition. Um, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the next episode, though, now that we've got that out of the way. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we got a 9.5. We've got a solid 9 from the professor. Priscilla, what about you? Where do you stand? You guys convinced me to up my up mine because originally I was gonna give it an eight, but I'm gonna give it an eight point five, because I don't think it was as strong as Wandavision. Wandavision's premiere was banging. I loved that. It took me to another world. This one took me, uh, maybe to another street, another city. Like, <laughs> but it didn't take me to another world necessarily. I I I, I don't feel it changed the game up necessarily with the TVA as much because I didn't really get enough of the TVA. I felt it was more 
delving into Loki's past, which we've already seen before within the movie, so it didn't really open more t- towards information for me, which kind of bored me after a little bit of time while I was when I was watching the episode. It was too much exposition, I feel, for me. So I, I'll give it an 8.5. Okay. Um, <laughs> Priscilla, you shady lady. It took me to another <laughs> street. It didn't take me to another world. I'm glad I was muted because I cackled like a witch when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great line. You should um, stitch that on a pillow. It's fantastic. Uh, okay, I am going to co-sign with, drumroll please, uh, The Professor. I'm going to give it a solid nine as well. Um, I, I thought it was I, I thought it was a decent premiere. Uh, I, I will say, I think I did like the WandaVision one as well, so I will co-sign all of the WandaVision love. Um, but this is a completely different beast, so treating it as its own series, it, it was it was a nine. I feel like that's an appropriate number. It was a little talky. It was exposition-y. I'd co-sign all of that. It was needed, though, so I co-signed that as well. I thought the performances were really good. The characters, even though we only saw some of them for a teeny tiny little bit, they were all really interesting. The visuals were stunning. The VFX was really good. The cinematography was excellent. Uh, I'm here for the ride. So it was a solid start to a very interesting and I would say a very promising new uh, Disney Plus Marvel series. So on that note... Quick shout out to the music too. I thought the score was very effective. I will co-sign that as well. So on that note, to join us next time for a brand new installment of the Avengers Initiative, Loki, here's our announcer to remind you and how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Avengers Initiative, low-key, and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with Vinny. See you later. The Professor. This has been a very enjoyable pantomime, but I'd like to go home now. And Priscilla. Please take your ticket before exiting the stage. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be a fun podcast this season. (laughs) Yes. I love it. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of the Avengers Initiative Loki every Friday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chulo Radio archives. Good night.